It's Wednesday, May 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Maria Gallagher. Good to see you. Nice to see you, too. We've got more video game earnings. We've got software earnings. We're going to start with sports. Shares of Fubo TV up more than 12% this morning after the streaming sports company raised guidance for the full fiscal year. This was after revenue more than doubled in the first quarter. Uh, how, how, how real is this rise in the stock? Because this is, I, I'm not hating on Fubo TV, but my first thought when I saw this was I wonder how much of this is a short squeeze. So it's interesting. So they they grew their subscriber base to 590,000 paid subscribers. Their total revenue, like you said, grew 135% year over year to 119.7 million. Their advertising revenue grew actually 206% to 12.6 million. Um, their subscription revenue increased 131%. So it's reaching a lot of subscribers, but it's still their overall base is still not uh, not massive in the way that you might expect some other streaming platforms. If you think of streaming, a lot of people will think of YouTube TV or Hulu or Netflix. So this is still a very small player in this space. And like you said, it really focuses on sports. So it is there. It has a lot of sports offerings. It also has... Um, 43 of the top 50 networks and 112 channels. So theoretically it's for everyone, but definitely for that sports fanatic in your fan, that's who's going to be um, interested in it. So they're, they mentioned launching a betting platform as well. Um, So like, like I said, they have a pretty small base. Uh, Their market caps only 2.4 billion in a really massive, uh, massive area with a lot of tailwinds as people are getting more and more into cord cutting. Um, You still see about 78 million people in the U S with legacy cable. So there are still people who need to come, come over to the other side and cord cut. So it was a really, really stellar quarter, really stellar uh, start for Fubo um, as, as people see that pent up demand going back into live sports. But because that base is so small, it's really impressive, but it's still not these staggering numbers you come to associate with a Netflix or a Hulu. It really is going to be interesting to watch where sports goes in the streaming world over the next five years or so. When you think about, for example, Amazon Prime, um, going after the the exclusive rights for Thursday night football with the NFL. I'm wondering if you look at Fubo TV, as you said, the market cap's like two and a half billion. Do you think this is a standalone company in three years? Because it it, it seems like if they get a decent amount of success, maybe someone buys them. I I don't know. I I, I have trouble looking at Fubo TV and imagining what the future looks like beyond the next couple of years. Yeah, I would agree with that because it started as a soccer streaming platform, which I think is interesting. Um, and so they have the only thing that they have the exclusive rights to right now are is the South American uh, South America versus Qatar World Cup 2022 qualifiers. So they have a lot of exclusivity within soccer. But in America, at least, obviously, you're looking at a lot of people looking at football and baseball. Um, so I think that it's good if you can have this niche, but if you're paying $65 a month, I don't know how big that theoretical base is that that's going to say, well, I really like to, I really want to watch soccer. Um, so I would imagine they're a pretty good acquisition target and, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I feel strongly that they're going to be the number one place the NFL would want to go to and say, I'm going to be exclusive with Fubo. That would be a huge win for them. But just realistically, I don't know what they would be offering to the NFL that would make that happen as opposed to what Amazon can offer. When you're going up against Amazon, Hulu, which is Disney and Netflix, I think it's, it's a tough game to be a small competitor in. I think history has shown that what the NFL is interested in is a check with a lot of zeros on it. <laughs> and I don't know that Fubo has that many zeros to put on their checks that they're writing. Let's move on to Unity Software. First quarter revenue rose 41%. That was higher than expected. Their loss for the quarter was smaller than expected. The stock's down a little bit today. I'm, I'm not sure I get why that is when you consider how surprisingly good this quarter was. And also this is a stock that has really been knocked down. I mean, this uh, year to date, Unity software shares are down more than 40%. Yeah. So with Unity, it's interesting. When people think about software, they are looking for these kind of staggering growth numbers and Unity repeats over and over. They're saying we're a long-term steady grower of 20%, 30%, maybe 40%. This was their 10th consecutive quarter of 30 plus percent revenue growth. But they're saying, they keep trying to warn people, we're not coming in with 80% growth. That's not our plan. That's not what we're doing. Um, but I think that the expectations are still baked in that they're going to be this massive grower. So you see that kind of disconnect in thinking, but it was a great quarter. The revenue, like you said, was up 41%. They raised their 2021 revenue outlook. Um, their create solutions were up about 51%. Their operation operate solutions were up about 40%. Their customers generating over $100,000 in revenue was up to $837. And their dollar-based net expansion rate was at 140%. And something that I want to highlight that's really critical for Unity that I think saw a lot of positive momentum in this past quarter is their ability to um, create outside of that traditional gaming platform. So new customers came in and household appliances, healthcare, aerospace, government, and retail. So for an example, they they highlighted Vert Vertimed, which is uh, developing on Unity for existing and future products, which allows surgeons, physicians, and medical educators to train, you know, virtually in these 3D environments. So a big part of the Unity growth story is going to be outside of that core gaming platform. So it was a really solid quarter um, from all the traditional metrics. And I also think it was a really positive quarter in terms of showing, you know, we can be useful outside of this core platform. And we are consistently proving that we can be useful for more people than, than you might have thought going in. So I was, I was impressed with the quarter all around. We talk from time to time about the expectations from Wall Street analysts versus the expectations that any given company's management sets for itself. Pretty impressive that, that the Unity software management team has, has been very consistent for the last couple of years in terms of saying, this is what we're going to do and then delivering on that. Yeah, I, I find it impressive. I find it very uh, kind of impressive with management when you want to look at management that's consistent and that you can trust. And I think that they're building up that, that, um, that relationship with investors saying, this is what we're saying we're going to deliver and we keep delivering. And if you see years and years of 30% revenue growth, I mean, if you look at Starbucks as an example of a company that can just consistently, consistently iterate and consistently like hit it, um, hit it out of the park over and over again, when they say 30%, they do 30% and they keep on going. So I think it's an impressive, uh, an impressive growth rate. If they can keep it up, they have 10, 10 consecutive quarters of it. And I think management is being honest and I respect it. 
Remember, if you're looking for even more stock ideas, you can check out our flagship service, which is Stock Advisor. You get stock recommendations every month. You get Best Buys now and a lot more. Just go to stockideas.fool.com. That's stockideas.fool.com and get a 50% discount just for being a listener of this fine podcast. We will combine, in a way, sports and software with Electronic Arts, which wrapped up its fiscal year with a strong fourth quarter. Profits were solidly higher than expected. The revenue looked good, too. Their forecast for the full fiscal year was upbeat. And there appears to be no love whatsoever for this stock, which is you know, down a couple of percent today. I don't know. This seemed like a good end to the year. Yeah. I mean, I think people, it was, it was solid. Their net bookings were up about 15% for the year. Their revenue was up about 2%. They did some acquisitions this year, which was interesting. They acquired glue mobile, which people might be familiar with from Kim Kardashian in Hollywood. They did a couple of acquisitions. They delivered 13 new games, had 42 million new players join their network, FIFA 21 has more than 25 million console players. Apex Legends has more than 100 million players to date. They had more than 12 million weekly average players. And The Sims had almost 60, 36 million players, which is their sixth consecutive year of growth. So it was solid around a lot of its platforms. They talked about moving forward. Their growth is going to be coming in sports. Uh, in this increased shift to digital purchasing, where you see 62% of units are sold digitally now. And this growth in mobile, which is what you see with a lot of their acquisition strategies is getting more into that mobile space. So it was a good quarter. It was a good year. Um, they kind of delivered in what people expected them to do. Um, and so I was, I was generally impl- impressed with EA when I was reading through this. It's interesting. Cause when you look at the video game industry, you can probably make a decent case for electronic arts, having greater brand awareness than some of the other businesses out there, you know, take two interactive, even Activision Blizzard, um, you know, the tie-in with sports that are so popular on a global level. And yet when you look at the stock performance, EA really trails the group. I mean, it is just over the past year, over the past five years, it's not, it's not that it's, Um, it's not that it's down. You've definitely made money over time with electronic arts. You just haven't made as much as you would have if you owned Take-Two or Activision Blizzard, or even for that matter, Zynga. Yeah. And I mean, it is a little bit bigger. So Take-Two is about an 18 billion market cap. I think EA is about 40 billion. So it is a more well-known brand. It's more established. I think their games have have more of those legacy games with the, with the FIFA. I mean, I've known people to play FIFA my whole life. Uh, so I think that they're kind, of, they're kind of in that legacy space. But with these acquisitions and trying to grow more in mobile, I think that that's going to be kind of interesting to to see how they do that moving forward. You know, if you compare them to like a Zynga and see if there's any sort of, any sort of growth that they can see there in, in mobile moving forward. Are you, you're not a video game person, are you? Or are I you? like Mario Kart. <laughs> As do I, but. <laughs> but I wouldn't say I'm a video game person. No, no, but it's, you know, it, it, I forget who I had this conversation with recently, but we were talking about, um, just the idea that the, the the sense of loyalty that people have to a particular game. Um, I think it was last week, maybe I was talking to um, Alicia um, about uh, Call of Duty and just, and just how, you know, there, there are people who have just, as you said, you've known people playing 
electronic arts version of FIFA your whole life. There are those people who just say, no, this is the franchise. And as long as companies continue to invest and improve that franchise, make it better, uh, iterate year over year, um, then those people are just going to stay loyal to that game. Yeah. And with video games, I think it's not always mutually exclusive, right? I think people can be very into Call of Duty and very into FIFA, and it just depends on who you're playing with and depends on your mood. You can throw in Mario Kart sometimes when you have (laughs) friends like me over who don't want to play intense video games. Um, And so I think that a lot of times people will have their favorites, the things that they're most loyal to, the ones that maybe they'll watch on Twitch or the ones that they'll spend more of their time trying to iterate and get better at. But I think that you do have a lot of this, this interest and continued loyalty um, throughout multiple games and multiple different platforms, which I, I think is why video gaming is a really interesting and attractive platform, because if you play one, that doesn't mean you're never going to play another. Maria Gallagher, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is Mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.